Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This is Devon Wilson, founder of Real Sports Guys. Tonight's show is dedicated to the 20 children and six adults that died at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut. For our RSC faithful, we ask that you go to newtown.patch.com forward slash news to look up ways in which you can support this community as it's recovering from this unbearable tragedy. Here at RSC, we extend our condolences out to the families, the teachers, the first responders and, and everyone in Newtown, uh, we are here for you, RSG. Real sports guys. It's the people's radio. It's all in your headphones. Allow me to introduce the illustrious Queen Anne Hoops. the game changer. The seventh Jackson. D. Will, the ill executive. Like, it's like Shug Knight without the anger management issues. Phil P, the sports, P-A-C. <laughs> this dude is coming at you from all angles. He's got, he's got all the bases covered. Uh, there's not a whole lot about sports his brother don't know. Welcome to the Real Sports Guys uh, tonight. 
Uh, as we said, uh, this show is uh, dedicated uh, to uh, those who lost their lives at Sandy Hook Elementary School. Um, every uh, Tuesday night, uh, you join us, and we have uh, a lot of fun, you know, talking about sports and, and talking about the impact of sports on society. And there are times when um, we have things that happen that um, are more important than what we talk about. Uh, tonight, we know that you've uh, tuned in uh, because um, uh, of what we, we talk about, but we just want to um, recognize and, and support, and, and given that we are here on a Tuesday night and, and uh, this is our first time connecting with you, uh, we want to make sure to do that. Uh, as we as we said in the intro, as I said in the intro, um, if you are looking for ways to provide support for the community and for the families, um, uh, you can go to Newtown dot patch p a t c h dot com forward slash news um there's a page with different ways in which you can support individual families or um connect with the united way uh locally um we, as usual we have a, a a great show tonight um scheduled uh there's a lot that's uh happened in the sports world um that we're excited about and um i'm gonna uh get going with the rundown here uh tonight uh so people get a sense of what's going on and then uh really uh uh connected to uh, with my uh with my colleagues who are in the in the three billion booth tonight as re- as usual we got the funky editorial you know we got uh Kobe hit 3000 or 30000 points and uh, there's a lot of debate out there about whether or not he's in the top 5 that are alive and you know you know our, our guy the game changer is uh is uh going to be uh hitting us later on this which will be uh I- incredible uh to 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 get some energy cuz I know he's got a lot to 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 say about this um and then we're going to get in and we do our NFL week uh 15 recap you know we always ask that question you know what do we now know uh with each week and each week we learn something new about um uh, the pretenders and the contenders and uh, we're going to explore some of the games uh, that we thought were key games and told us a lot about um, what was going on in the NFL uh, today. And then, you know, we definitely want to um, talk about some of the impressive performers. I mean, there's a lot of great numbers out there, um, and we want to hit some of that in terms of the people that really uh, came to play that weekend. And then we're going to hit the five on the black hand side. You know, lots going on in Philly with Mike Vick. And, you know, we want to spend some time thinking about, okay, what's Mike Vick's next step? Where should he go? Where would he be best uh, in terms of 2013? Um, and uh, we'll have a lot of conversation about where Mike, v, Mike Vick's next move should be. And then Bounty Gate. We're going we gonna, we gonna to spit a, a eulogy on Bounty Gate. This has just been the weirdest case turns and and not knowing what's going on that I've ever seen in sports, and we'll definitely get people's opinion on 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 that. And then we're gonna talk about some MVP candidates. You know, we got some. Uh, there's a lot out there. A lot of ways you can probably go with this. Um, uh, we'll go with that. And then for for you folks who are, I would say for you folks who are. Uh, under 
or over uh, 30, maybe, you know, um, and uh, understand the power of the Big East and what it's meant to um, to basketball and, and what the seven Catholic schools are planning to do and, and just the way the impact of football on really the landscape of college sports and some of our traditional – I remember Pearl Washington hitting that buzzer beater um, – you know, St. John's with Louis Kanasaka. I mean, the Big East was the league, and, and it's just uh, falling apart. So we'll talk about that. Um, and then, you know, we'll, you know, we'll talk a, 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 a lot about some of the tributes that, that happened this weekend um, in reaction to uh, what happened in Newtown. Um, and then, you know, obviously we're going to talk about the NBA. So we got a full – schedule uh tonight uh, we're excited about uh where uh this can go and um you know tonight we have a very special guest with us and we're going to spend some time with him for a few minutes uh the the host the lead host the originator of inside the park here on rsg we got rj page how you doing brother rsg what up though i'm cool man it's so good to have you here in, in and you know, inside the park in his first season was just had a, developed a mad uh, uh, following. Um, and uh, I guess just what's your reflections on that experience? Y'all, y'all did some incredible work together. Man, you know, um, we had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, that's that's the main takeaway. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a minute since we've been on the uh, the World Series was cut kind of short, uh, three games too short, if you ask me. So it's been a minute since we've been on, man, but um, we really had a good time last season, and we, we asked that y'all definitely come back next season because we're going to rock we're gonna rock the house. We're going to keep it moving. No, no, you skipped over that World Series, man. I did. That, you, you like how I glazed over it, right? You, you glazed over it. And, you know, you from – you a, a Pistons fan. I mean, you a Tiger fan. You, and you a Pistons fan. We just talked about that off the air. And you from Detroit. <laughs> I'm from Ann Arbor. I always say that. Ann Arbor, Detroit is different. But I'm from Southeast. We used to be three one three. They changed it seven three four. But it was like the movie Taken. Like you know, they swooped in and and, and took the hostages. The movie was down there over. What happened, man? I mean, the beatdown was. It was like a. It was like a Pacquiao knockout. Um, I don't know, man. I fell asleep, and by the time I woke up, the joint was over. So I couldn't tell you what happened. I'm gonna tell you. I had a busy week of work. And I looked up, and they said the World Series is over. I mean, what are you, what are you talking about? What are you, what are you talking about? What does that mean for someone like Leland? And I mean, what do they? What do you do with that? Because that was just such a beatdown. You know, um, I don't think there's much that really needs to be done as far as the Tigers are concerned. Um, you know, there was a call for Leland's head throughout the season because the Tigers were underachieving. Mm-hmm. But quite honestly, I think a lot of the fans were just happy that we made it to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think there'll be many implications. Now this this year, you know, the, everything's lining up for the Tigers this year. They got a lot of key free agents. Uh, they got Victor Martinez coming back. On paper, they look damn good. Um, and, and you hope that they get it done. But I mean, the World Series is such a crapshoot. I mean, the first, the first, the four games, you know, it really doesn't 
allow a team the opportunity to such a small sample size. It really doesn't allow a team to show what what they really are made of. So mm-hmm. you know, once we get to these short playoff uh, series, like the one game playoff, the five game playoff, it's anybody's game, man. And, and it's really, it really is a lot of luck. There's a lot of luck involved. I'm not gonna say it's all luck, but there's a lot of luck that's involved. I mean, how, how many times is Pablo Sandoval going to take Justin Verlander deep? Uh, he, I think he did it three, three times in the first game. He, he, pulled, <laughs> he pulled a Reggie Jackson on him. <laughs> right. And, and, and so, you know, in the small sample size, there's a lot of things that happen that, that aren't accounted for and you wouldn't account for. So, hey, man, all I can ask is that we get back back to it and, and hopefully things will go our way next time. As for San Francisco, I mean, they've won multiple championships. And I know we were going back and forth just talking about dynasties and whether or not San Francisco is developing something. How do you how do you see them, you know, as a franchise? Because it's not like they've been, they were, you know, dominating. You know, they've been making these late-season runs and, and then winning. I mean, how do you evaluate the success they've had in recent years? It's um, I mean my hat my hat definitely goes off to uh, Sabian, the GM out there, because he he's doing it with a lot of ball players that other people didn't want or, or scratch. It mm-hmm. got a lot of older ball players in that lineup, and it, it tends to work. I think what really plays into their favor is, is that pitching staff that they have. Um, you know, you got Matt Cain. You had a, a dynamite relief core that, that really shut some games down. For, as where, where um, if the Tigers or the Cardinals, when they were down in the sixth inning, it was mm-hmm. a wrap. Yeah. With that bullpen, it was curtain. So, I mean, the first one to win six, a six-inning game, you know, you really took some odds in your favor. Um, you know, Bruce Bochy, the manager, didn't really have a, a set closer. He just went with matchups. So I think that played a part in, in their winning. So they're winning unconventionally. And, and I'd like to see a lot of other teams, especially my team, kind of mimic some of the things they did where they don't have a set closer. You got a right-handed batter up, we're going to throw out our best right-handed pitcher and see who see who wins. And I, and I think, I mean, you hit it right on that, that, you know, they, they played the matchups. And and one of the things I think is interesting about about that is that um, it, 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 if you can get players to believe in what you do, so this whole idea of belief um, is very important that, you know, they're going to go to the mat for you on this stuff. And you can win it on conventional ways because I think they have confidence in Bochi. Like, it's like whatever you mix up, Skip, I think it's going to work. And Bruce it Bochy, just, huh? Bruce Bochy had a $20 million player, Tim Linscombe, coming out the bullpen, mm-hmm. pitching four innings out the bullpen if his starter wasn't on, on point. I mean, it doesn't get any more believable than that. If you can convince a twenty million dollar pitcher to come out of the bullpen, you're doing something right. I mean, that's what you're hitting right on 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 the, on the, on the and you wonder why. And this is why I always say with some of these small market teams that it's almost like I always say you you got to take on the the Pittsburgh Steeler philosophy or the Utah Jazz. You know, getting a leader that folks really can invest in that knows how to develop talent, knows how to use people, knows how to think through becomes very important when you can't you can't compete against the Yankees or you know, even the payroll all the time. You can compete enough, but having a quality leader is is, is very important. Do you see that as something that's important in baseball? I, I see that in other sports 
But it feels like I've always said I felt like when I see markets like Milwaukee and I see, you know, some of these markets that, yes, you have to invest to a certain extent, but you got to have a leader that people can follow. You know what? You see it in, in Tampa Bay as well. Not yeah. just the managers. I mean, you definitely need a leader, but but the, the teams that I'm seeing have a lot of success. Have an owner, they have a president, they have a GM, they have a coach who are all on the same page. So, for instance, you take Tampa Bay, one of the smallest payrolls in the league, but they keep winning. They have a manager who can do some of these unconventional things, and he doesn't have to fear losing his job because the GM's on board, because the owner's on board. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, and this goes for sports across the board. I mean, if you have a coach who's not afraid to do something unconventional in football, go for it on fourth and one because the odds say you should. That's right. The owner, believes, the owner believes in that. I like Bill Belichick when he went for it against the Colts some years back. Mm-hmm. The owner had so much trust in, in the coach, I, Belichick, that Belichick didn't fear losing his job, so he could he could make that play, make that call, and everything was cool. Now, um, we Lovey Smith probably can't make that call. <laughs> <laughs> Not right now. Lovey, Lovey will play it out. Yeah. Lovey going to be defensive coordinator for somebody soon if he don't turn this thing around. <laughs> you know, uh, he yeah, might, somebody. Andy, you, you ain't making that call. You, you know what I'm saying. You're you right. You're right on. You, you, can't, you can't make them calls. You, you can't. It, it's really good. Now, there's some free agency. You had, you had Granky going from the Angels to the Dodgers. You had Upton going from Tampa Bay to Atlanta. You had Josh Hamilton, I love his wife, put a ring on it. She came she came Beyonce on on uh on Texas, put a ring on it. I, that deal isn't as bad as a, a Pujols deal uh, in terms of the the length of the deal. Um so it it, may, it looks like it makes some sense, but you, you know, you're the expert. What what's been your kind of under, what's your been your thought around this early these early uh kind of free agency moves? Um I'm never a fan uh, of teams that make a move just to be making a move. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what the Angels did with Josh Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you go back to last year, the Angels kind of, um, they, they, they won L.A. They, they went out and got Pujols. Um They went out and got C.J. Wilson. Those were the two big free agent signings. And everybody in L.A. was talking about the Angels. Mm-hmm. So what do the Dodgers do who, who tend to own L.A.? They go out, they get Hanley Ramirez, they get Adrian uh, Gonzalez, they get Carl Crawford, they get Zach Grinke, uh, and everybody's talking about the Dodgers again. Mm-hmm. You know? So so I kind of feel like the Angels made this move to one-up the Dodgers and try to tip the scale back into their favor to capture mm-hmm. that market. And, and I think when you do things like that, you, you can really run into some trouble because Josh Hamilton, that, that really wasn't a need of theirs. Yes. So they dropped, they dropped 125 large just to win that market back. Well, and quite frankly, L.A. is always going to be a Dodger town. Mm-hmm. If you look at, at the Angels' pitching rotation, they got about two guys, and after that, it's deplorable. That <laughs> money could have been spent uh, in a lot better places. They're trying to keep up with the Joneses, and they're about to get lapped by the Joneses. That's interesting because one of the things I always say, one of my sayings is never chase the ghost. Yeah. 
And yeah. one of the things that you described about it, because I hate when organizations do that, because in the evidence is when you say their name, nothing really defines them. So you can tell that they're chasing the ghost. They're chasing something that they'll never catch. Um, and that, and and so and then they don't have an identity um, right. when the dust clears. So I mean I think you hitting it right on board. You know you you you're it's not about winning an arms race. You know, and and I think that's something that is a is a, a major mistake that folks are, are 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 making. In that, have you started to brush off who you think are some early favorites for baseball? Or are you still kind of pulling it all together? Um, I like I like. I'm never a guy who, you know, after after the the latest, the hottest free agent signing, I'm say I'm gonna say, okay, this is who's gonna come out on top. Mm-hmm. But done to my head, if you're asking me what I like and and what move I'd like mm-hmm. going forward next year, um, obviously I, I think what the Tigers have done, they got Tory Hunter uh, to show up the outfield defense uh, mm-hmm. the next to the Tigers. They also get Victor Martinez back. Um, he, he was out all year, so it's like picking up a 300-hitter. Um, it, it's like signing another free agent because he's coming back. So you're going to have the lineup stacked. you got Miguel Cabrera in the three. I'm sorry. you got Torrey Hunter in the two-hole, Miguel Cabrera three, Prince Fielder four, and Victor Martinez five. I, I mean, who, who's, uh, who's not happy about that? Yeah. And then their their top four pitchers are are lights out. So, I mean, the Tigers Tigers have really made some good moves. Um, and I'm really the Angels. I, I look for them to to take a step back. I don't think they'll make the playoffs again if things hold back. I, I think they'll miss mm-hmm. out on the playoffs once again. Okay, okay. Well, we we uh we gonna get into it. We gonna y'all gonna have to pay attention. When Inside the Park resumes in the spring, as we get ready for baseball season, you hear R.J. Page. You hear, you see, you, you get a sense we have the best in the business. You know, we I'm haven't thrown Mike. Hank was on the other night, had some stuff to say uh, when he was on the show. Uh, I should have, I should have uh, uh, got that set up and played it back for you, but I'm not going to do that to you. I've been on the sidelines too long. What's what Hank say? You, you know Hank has some stuff to say. I don't even want to put that because he gonna say I'm, I'm doing some third party stuff. And uh, uh, I, I did, did, y'all, did y'all have a bet or something? Or y'all had yeah, something? Yeah, he still owes me too. For all the listeners, Hank is not paid up on his bet. I'm about ready to call him a welcher, but uh, you know I'm giving him next season. Come <laughs> too. So uh, and uh, we might have a uh, we're, we're working on ideas of a, a uh, off season kind of special that uh will get you 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 baseball folks uh a little bit of excitement around um you know, getting ready for the season but as I told RJ before the show um for me he's made baseball cool again for me and uh, I pay more attention to baseball um because of uh what's happened on the inside the park and the way in which y'all deliver the message uh, about the game um, we're going to be playing uh, some of the shows. You'll, you'll hear it here over the next uh, few weeks. We're going to drop some at different times so that uh, folks can hear some of the stuff that they talked about during their uh, during their uh, time on the air. Um, but it, it's something great. 
we're gonna take a, a, a we're gonna take a little musical interlude interlude right here, and then uh, we will be uh, coming back to you in a minute. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. Uh tonight uh we are dedicating the show to um the victims uh who um uh died in a tragic um occurrence that happened at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut. Uh if you're looking for ways to support the community, go to newtown uh, .patch dot com forward slash news. Um there are several different ways that you can support um folks um there uh, as they try to recover and make sense of what is an unbearable uh, circumstances as as many of you know um uh the folks here at RSG we're very dedicated to education. We talk about it a lot. Um uh we have uh, as my wife is a second grade teacher um and um you know, it had a definite impact on her and her kids, and they were asking questions, and a lot of stuff can't be explained. Uh, but we hope for this time uh, that you're on the show with us, we can take your mind away from that, uh, uh, as we only know that sports is, is entertainment. Um, but uh, we do have to recognize uh, that things happen in our communities that we can't really explain. So uh, please, if you haven't had a chance to, uh, think about ways to support uh, the folks of Newtown, Connecticut. Uh, we are uh, about to go into uh, what we talked about as our funky editorial uh, because uh, we do it a little bit like this. Fellas, the one thing we need to say, shall we say it, y'all? Melvin, Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, say it. Everybody want to get funky one more time. Funky editorial tonight. The Black Mamba, a.k.a. I shoot when I see the rim, 
hit 30,000 points marker uh, recently, and a lot of sparked a lot of debate about whether or not he was uh, he is a top five, uh, dead or alive. And we're really going to get into uh, that discussion. Um, you know, you can't have a discussion like that with the NBA without uh, having the game changer uh, contribute to that. And uh, I know Game Changer's got some stuff to say. Hey, Coach. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Hi, uh, how's everybody doing out there, all the listeners? They're, they're doing all right. They're thirsting for your knowledge right now. They are trying to figure out what is going on with Kobe, and does he is he in the top five? What's your thoughts as he hit 30,000? No. He is not in the top five, and you know the reason. The reason I thought this was a great topic, and I, you know, is because a lot of pundits, a lot of national folks have been uh, misguiding the youth. They've been leading <laughs> young people astray, telling them they, they're putting Kobe in the top five with, you know, Mike and you know Kareem and Wilt and Magic, and then they got Kobe. Ahead of guys like Larry Bird, ahead of guys like the Big O, ahead of guys like Bill Russell, ahead of guys like the Dream. No, Kobe is not top five dead or alive. He's just not. And this is what I. This is why I'll say Kobe has yet in his career, after 17 years, to make somebody else better. To everybody I just named, when you talk about the Big O, when you talk about Larry Bird. We talk about Bill Russell. We talk about the Dream. They all made marginal players good players, and they all made good players seem like great players. Kobe has never done that. He has never done that. He's never taken. A, he's never been able to have a Batman, a real Batman. To, oh, I'm sorry, a real Robin to his Batman. Rather, he's never been able to really have a sidekick because nobody can kick it with him. Because he's shooting all the daggone time. And Bynum <laughs> came out and said it. Bynum came out and said it. He's like, playing with Kobe, standing my growth. And I know Bynum's a flake. You know what I mean? He got the Bookman fro. You know what I mean? He got, he got the mushroom fro and everything. We all know Bynum's, Bynum's a little flaky. But there's a little kernel of truth in that. You know, my, my mom's always said, you can learn. You Even a crazy person speaks the truth every once in a while. And I think Bynum was spot on. I mean, Kobe, think about it. When there has been a great assemblage of talent around Kobe Bryant, it's never really worked out. Think about when they had GP, Malone, of course, albeit at the end of their careers. How did that end up? They got to the finals. Kobe and Shaq couldn't get along. GP and Carl Malone were kind of out of the mix, not really into it. You got Glenn Rice coming off the bench. What happened in the finals? They ran up against a team. Five to Nine guys, all on one accord, ran him out the gym. You give any of those guys I just named that much talent, they get a ring. You give Russell that much talent. You give Akeem that much talent. You give uh, Big O that much talent around him. You give Larry Bird that much talent around him, they get in the ring. And it's going to take a heck of a team. That Pistons team was great, but if you were to map out all of the champions in NBA history, it's probably not a top ten team as far as champions go. So that that was a great team, 
and they were a very good collection of of B plus to to B players. But that wasn't Murderers Row. That wasn't the Showtime Lakers coming into town. That wasn't the four 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 Sixers coming in there. That wasn't Jordan's Bulls coming in there. That was a decent championship team. So, to me, Kobe lacks in his ability to enhance everybody else around him as a ball player. He gets his, and that's it. Like the years when it was just Kobe, when after Shaq left, the Lakers struggled to make the playoffs. Now, no, he didn't have talent around him, but the talent he did have around him, he made it none the better. And so that's why... I still have trouble really putting Kobe in that conversation as far as being a top five player of all time. And I think, you know, the national media is kind of caught up in the moment, knee-jerk reaction. You know, like they always do. They got to talk about something. I get it. 24-hour news cycle. You got to talk about something all the time. But they lean the youth to the left. They, they push, they, 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 they misguiding the young people. And, you know, I've been game changing since 1999, and I just can't let that happen. <laughs> RJ Page, what's your thoughts on that? Hey, I, I don't know. After that argument, I don't know how I could go against the game changer. I, I, I will say I have to agree with the brothers. He's, he's definitely not top five. And when I saw this, the topic, I – I couldn't believe anybody would argue that he was top five. Um, and, and so, therefore, I agree with Game Change, but I take a different road to get to, to get there. I, I'm not really impressed with, with who Kobe's made better, but to, to crack that upper echelon line, you got MJ, you got Magic. In my top five, I got Bird, Russell, and Kareem. Uh, for Kobe to top that, it, 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 it ain't happening. At this point in his career, he only has one MVP. Um, since the duration of the league, he's won MVP one time. Meaning, throughout what was it, 17 years, he's been mm-hmm. the best player, hands down, one time. And you want to be in the top five? I can't give you that. Not not in 17 years. Um, five. He's got five NBA championships. He was only the best player on two of those championship teams. So uh, again, I mean, if you want to compare him to MJ six. Michael was the best player every time out the gate, hands down. Kobe, only twice. Um, and, and then, like y'all said earlier, Kobe's a volume scorer. He, he scores a lot, but he shoots a whole hell of a lot. Yeah. And he's never really shot efficiently. He's never topped uh, 50% in field goal percentage. And if I'm comparing him to the, the guards that I have in the top five, being Magic and Michael, both of them did it multiple times. Um, the numbers just don't add up, and I can't put you in the, in the, in the top five just because you've been around a long time and you came into the league real young, so uh, so you get those those, those impressive numbers. And, and like Game Chambers said, Game Chambers said, don't be fooled, y'all young people. You know they'll come on and say Kobe is the youngest player to hit whatever, youngest player to crack thirty thousand. He's doing that because he was. You know, at the point in time, nobody was allowed to leave straight out of high school. So, so he's putting up these numbers. It's a facade. Don't don't land on Plymouth Rock, y'all. Don't don't do it. And I, and I I would say you know and I and I think you know Kobe is a great player. But I think y'all made some incredible points. 
And and I always say, you know, in this modern time, um, if you compare when Jordan played and even some of these other players, what people could do against you, they could be much more physical with you. They could, you know, the conditions in which they had to operate to try and do what they did were more difficult than it is today. The game is spread. It's, it's made for scores. Uh, they don't allow for you to hand check. They don't allow for you to the physical play. That you know, if you think about the Jordan rules and and what they had to endure in that, you think about uh, the way in which people defended Wilt. Um, oh, in terms of the way when you went to the lane, you paid for it. That was the way to go, and so you had to be willing to to go through it. I, I think all of that, but but I also think that being the greatest when you get in that top five is championships. How you made people around you better. Um, you still got to argue, you know, whether or not you put him over people like Bird, who I think because uh, folks haven't had a chance to see Bird play, you know, he keeps slipping down and farther and farther down the list. But he's one of the most feared players people have ever played against. So, I mean, there's a lot of folks you got to put uh, on that list. You think about people like Olajuwon and, you know, as I start thinking about the folks I had in my uh, top five, Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan has been a dominant player in the same era, but he's—he's. He's, if you look at who's made other players better, you got to think about Duncan. You see, so you know that's how I feel about it in terms of of what um, uh, we, you know, in terms of that. But it's obvious from the three of us that he's not in the top five. So as we move to the NFL. And game changer, you know, I know you like to lead this recap, so I'm, I'm gonna lead, I'm gonna let you transition into lead because you need you need something to hold on to football because your dynasty has been broken. You know, last year he was he was undefeated. <laughs> he had a lot of swag to his game, and then he came in he came in this year like the New Orleans uh, Saints <laughs> after they won the Super Bowl, just. Got crushed in Seattle, uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna hand it to you and let you just hold on to football a little bit longer. Okay, let me let me do that. And before before again before we mislead the listeners out there now, let me let me break it down. Okay, yes, I went undefeated in my fantasy football league last season. Uh, this season I came in, still took first place, ten and three. All right, you know I had some doubters out there. PhD, <laughs> be weird. <laughs> Uh, some doubters talking about my squad. But, again, my two stars running backs, Darren McFadden and, and uh, DeMarco Murray, I got very little from for a big chunk of the season, and I still managed to finish first. Right? That's how deep my squad was. I lost my top two picks, still finished in first place. Those are my first two picks. Again, let me repeat that. My first two picks I missed for about six or seven weeks. All right? Never ever had, had them in a lineup for like four weeks together. That's either here or there. I still finished first, all right? Got ousted in the first round. I got a bye first round. Round two, I got ousted of the playoffs, all right? What did me in was, again, and this cat is on my no draft list for the next five years, all right? Denario Alexander, F-U. (laughs) Capital (laughs) F-U. Brother scored zero points. He scored as many fantasy points as I did this Sunday. Appreciate it, you jerk. All right? Then... Josh Freeman, my quarterback. Now, me and Jay Free, we had a we had a nice thing going on. 
he had been giving me solid production, 16, 20 points every week, all right, for a long time during the season when I needed it. Helped me through some real rough times. You know what I mean? He's like that. He's like a he's like that old Donnie Hathaway joint you throw on when you're having that rough, rough, rough time. When you're going through one of the rough relationship times. That's what Josh Freeman was for me. The record skipped. All right, so week 15, the record skipped. Guys <laughs> gave me point, the 0. 0.10 points. Appreciate that, brother. Thanks. <laughs> Not only that, this dude, Connor Bart, no draft list. I don't draft kickers anyway. No draft list for five years. That's what you get, Connor Bart. All right, Tampa Bay kicker. These fools, not only as a team, screwed me over, they went and got themselves shut up. All right? Not one of them idiots on that team could have scored a point, got a field goal or nothing. I'm mad if you can't tell. So, Connor Barth, F you too. <laughs> so, I had three dudes on my roster between three dudes. I scored, they scored a total of one or a point, one zero point. All right? And I still had a chance to win going into Monday night. <laughs> Not to mention that, I had Colin Kaepernick on my bench. I had Eric Decker on my bench. So I had enough points to win. GM just played the wrong people, and them jerks just didn't show up. So I got to take my L. Hats off to the cat that beat me. Hope you win the championship. At least I can say I lost to the eventual champion. Um, and F you to everybody else. I'm mad. <laughs> now, on to the NFL Week 15 recap. Uh, as we always started off with, what do we know now? So I'm going to pick this to my man, R.J. Page. NFL Week 15, lots of things going on. The playoff picture is starting to become more clear. Uh, what do we know now that we didn't know before this week? Um, I think we can affirmatively say that Jay Cutler is not in the week quarterback. Mm. He, he, he's, I, can't, um, I can't argue with he's that. He's not going to get it done. I mean, he'll, he'll, have, he'll have some okay games, have some good games. What, you're not going to see Jay Cutler take over a game that they really need to win and, and just make it his. And, therefore, I think we know that he's not elite. Now, here's a question I'll ask you. You know, as, as somebody who's hunkered down in, in Bear and Packer country, um, and D. Wills, you can jump in on this, too. Is that Cutler's fault? Or is that the uh, is that is that the coaching? Because when Cutler was in Denver, he was putting up crazy wild numbers. That he wasn't necessarily winning games, but he was putting up great fantasy numbers. You know, now he's in Chicago, and it's not happening. So is it, 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 it on Cutler? Is it on the coaches? He will. Uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I you know, as a Steeler fan. And I watched this in some some early years with uh, Slash and a lot of people underrate changing coordinators and changing systems. This guy went for he's probably played under three or four coordinators since he's been there. And anything you've ever been successful has had continuity. And so I get a little nervous to judge quarterbacks who haven't had continuity and at the same time, haven't had talent behind him. He got around him. So he got Marshall, and Marshall's been a beast. But the, 
and Jeffries has been injured, but his other players in the way they've been running that offense, people have other folks haven't been stepping up. So, you know, is he elite? No, I'm not gonna say he's elite right now, but I say I, I think I think he's all a bit as good as Stafford, and people love Stafford. Um, and I just think it, a part of their problem is that they just have not had any continuity on offense. Again, you know, uh, RJ and I were talking about this with baseball. When you're chasing something, when you're chasing a ghost, you run away from developing an identity. And if you were to say, if I were to ask you, what's the identity of the Chicago Bear offense, what would you say? Oh, man. Uh, throw it to Brandon Marshall or throw it to the other team. That's it. If I ask you, what's the identity of um, the uh, 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 New England Patriots offense, what would you say? Uh, it's going to be a lot of multiple formations. Uh, it's going to be Brady heavy. Uh, they're going to incorporate the tight ends a lot. They're going to look to get it into the in, into the middle of the field using the slot receiver. Uh, you know, and they'll, and they'll run it when they need to. Now, you see how easy that was? Why? Yeah, that was because pretty easy. That's what they've been doing. That's been their identity, and everybody knows that. So that's the issue in Chicago. And so you can say, is that Cutler? Is that the philosophy of the team? You know, I, I think, I mean, he doesn't just forget how to play. So that's my that's my thing. But, you know, I, I would agree with RJ that uh, what we do know is that he's not, at this point, he's not an elite quarterback. Now, RJ's a Detroit head, so I'm gonna take it to I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it to his hometown for a minute. Um, you know, we're talking about elite quarterbacks. We're talking about uh, the NFC North division. We got to touch on the Lions. This is a team that came into the season with a whole lot of expectations. Um, you know, they were thought to be a team that was on the rise, and quiet is kept. Megatron is, is close to breaking Jay Rice's record, um, which is great for him. But overall, it just hasn't equated into success on the field. Now, you're in the heart of the D, my man, RJ. What's going on with the Lions? Um, you know, somebody asked me this the other day, and um, I watch a lot of Lions football, been to every home game. And honestly, I think it's just one of those years. You know, you always have – well, not always, but a lot of teams have that year where they're going to lose. You just don't know how they're going to lose. We, we've lost every way imaginable, and I'm sure next week we'll find out a new way to lose. Um, via the, the game, we, we lost to Minnesota, and the off, Minnesota's offense didn't score a touchdown. It was all uh, special teams touchdowns and defense. We, we've lost games where we were leading in the fourth quarter. Uh, we've, we've lost games where, you know, Mr. Reliable, our, our, our pro bowler, our, our kicker, Mr. Field Goal at the end of regulation. We've lost games in ways that have been unimaginable, and I really just think it's it's one of those years, quite quite honestly, where where nothing goes right. Okay. I, I, I will say this: what we know, and this is what we know, I was right, because I was the one that said what's going to eat Detroit up is again, great teams have folks who manage the locker room. You know, I always tell my staff and colleagues, because people say, well, you know, you got to have great leaders who make decisions. That's true. But all great organizations, a great team, have locker room management. Again, I ask you, 
in New England, who controls that locker room? Brady yeah. Belichick. You said Brady, right? Yeah. And, and all those leaders control that. Same thing in Pittsburgh. You know who control that locker room. Yeah, the coach is there, but the, you know which players control that locker room, right? To me, that's the issue in Detroit. To me, I don't think it's about talent, but I, I ask who's in that locker room governing what they're going to do. That's Detroit. And I said that at the beginning of the season, and it's proven out to be that way. That's the issue. Is that Megatron? Who is who is setting the standard beyond the coach in that locker room? That's their issue. And when they get that corrected, they're gonna be a they're gonna be a hard team to stop. You know, it was Nate Burleson, but but he went out with with a leg injury um, quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm gonna move on and let's start to reflect on some of the games of this following week. All right, the first game I want to touch on is San Francisco versus New England. In this game, uh, Colin Kaepernick had a great game. 49s are up, 31-3. Got the Patriots down 28. But, of course, Tom Brady is Tom Brady, and because of that, he's going to do Tom Brady kind of things. Um, and one of those things is coming back from 28 down. Um, and that he did. They still came up short. Kaepernick found Michael Crabtree to win the game. Not to win the game, but to seal the deal for the 49ers. What does this say about these two teams right now? Um, when we think about the top teams in the NFC, uh, you got the Falcons, the 49ers are in that mix, you got the Green Bay Packers, um, and then, you know, everybody else, in my opinion, is kind of jumbled together after that. Of those top three teams, where do you think you rank the 49ers at this point in the season, RJ? Of the top three? Yeah. Um, ugh. Top three being New England. Are you talking top three NFC or, or in the, in the NFC? I'm talking about Atlanta. I'm talking about Green Bay. I'm talking about San Fran. I rank them: San Fran, Green Bay, Atlanta. Now, when playoff time comes, I I switch Green Bay and San Francisco, but. But now, I'm, I'm going San Fran, Green Bay, Atlanta. Okay, okay. And, and, and how do you feel about that, D. Wills? Where do you got San Francisco City in, in, um, that, in that particular pecking order of the top three teams? Yeah, I, I, would, I might, because uh, I think Green Bay is coming together. I might go Green Bay, San Fran, and then Atlanta. But I, I, RJ, I think, has made a really good case either way. I just think uh, I love what Kaepernick can do. Uh, but I just think that uh, Rodgers is such a difference maker and the defense is uh, beginning to make some plays. If I heard I that right, both of, you guys got, both of you guys got Atlanta third? No, I actually, I got Seattle third. Oh, wow. So you got Atlanta fourth? Yeah. Mm. So what's up with Atlanta? Why, why are we not buying Atlanta right now? They're 12 and 2. 12 and 2. Um, a lot of close games, a lot of games that could have gone either way. Um, I, I've seen uh, Matt Ryan uh, crumble like a cookie many times before, and, and we know that uh, defense in the playoffs is all about that D. And as the owner of Seattle's defense in fantasy football, I'm a believer. 
There you go. There you go. What about you, D? What about you, D. Wills? Atlanta. What, what, what's the deal? Why are you not buying that? You, you looking at it like it's a cheat, like it's a knockoff Gucci bag. Like you want no parts of it. It's like if eight people go back and check the tape, and you know I put all my chips in on Atlanta. You know they they like they like the heat last year. It, you know nothing counts with the regular season until you can demonstrate you can playoffs. We've seen them have great seasons and have home field advantage and get smashed. We've seen them go on the road and, and, and get beaten. You know they they have to demonstrate they have championship. I just can't buy it. Now you know hopefully this this I, I like their pieces. I like Julio Jones is a beast. Um, uh, it's like they got all the parts. It's funny because they're a lot like um, Houston. They got all the parts, and but it's like they fool you. They fool you like you know you go on it. They just fool you, you know, and you just don't know what to do. And you don't you're afraid to fall in love because you just don't want to be disappointed. You know, you you, you, don't want to have, you don't have to put no my 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 on. You just don't want to do it, so it's hard to buy into it. You want to buy into the what you know is going to be there. The the person who who been with you to pay the bills, the ones who don't put the skin in the game. You've seen these other teams do something in the playoffs and battle. You you can't you, you can't you can't ride with them. That's the only thing. But I've been saying that all year. Two teams I talked about is Atlanta and in Detroit. Just some. Uh, team character flaws. That you man, D. Wills, my man, hit away. You, you don't want that Johnny Gill. <laughs> can't, can't depend on that. You gotta hit him with some Bobby Womack, <laughs> some Teddy P. I'm trying to live life, trying to stay away from the bottle. I'm trying right. to be right, and you just, you just don't mess me up now. And that that's the that's the problem with Atlanta, man. It's hard for me to buy because everything now doesn't matter. They just smashed the New York Giants. They just smashed the New York Giants this week. Did they get any props from you for that? But the New York Giants is like that crazy cousin on the street. Sometimes it's like <laughs> it's just like you know they have an off day, but at the end of the day they gonna come back with that bottle and win that. They gonna come away clean. They gonna get their money, and so. We know the Giants do that, and and I would be surprised if the Giants show up and do their thing. But and I, and I think that was a great victory. But you know, to me, they like like I told you about this. They like the old Sonics. That victory last week was like a a, a, a late victory on a Tuesday night in Houston in March. You know, you coming off, you coming back, and and. You know how the Sonics used to do it. Then that playoff style football, like it was back then, that basketball is different. You know, you get a little tight. Plays don't come as easy. It's physical. How do you react to that? I think that's our biggest challenge with Atlanta. Once we see them go through it, then I think we'll be all right with them. I, I, um, RJ, your take on the Giants, man. And again, this is a team that it seems like right when people start to like them, they do something like this and get their heads beat in. You know, and then they'll probably ball out for the next two weeks, winning NFC East and going through the playoffs with some momentum. But I mean, it's, it's, it's consistent with them. They'll they'll go out and dominate, and then just lay an egg. What do you think about this team? It's what, like you said about Luau Dang last week. They're consistently consistent, man. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is what they do, and, and we just gotta let them do what they do. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll see him, we'll see him in, in January. 
<laughs> I feel you on that, man. When I look at the Giants, man, I see a team that can beat anybody, but I also see a team that can get beat by anybody. You know what I mean? They got they got a high ceiling and a low floor <laughs> where they can go out and they can go out and beat anybody, but then they can also lose to anybody, and, and, and that's the Giants. If we move on to our next game from week uh, 15. That's Chicago versus Green Bay. Uh, this is a big game because it was for the NFC North, uh, for the, a chance for Chicago to get back into the NFC North race, which has gotten really tight over the last couple of weeks because I don't know if anybody out there noticed, but um, Adrian Peterson ain't human. <laughs> no, he's not. I mean, this dude had his whole knee toe up. I mean, toe up. And this dude is running like it never happens. Like, it never happens. Like, nah, y'all didn't see that. You know what I mean? Like, like what's the old Shaggy song? It wasn't me. You know what I mean? You go up to Agent Peters and say, man, you tore your knee up last year. Agent Peters is like, yo, wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> nah, dog, I saw you. You number 28 for the Vikings. Yo, dog, wasn't me. <laughs> and you have no choice but to believe that, brother, right now. So Minnesota's climbing back into this race. At eight and six, they made it real tight. And uh, as you said earlier, um, in the what we know now section, RJ, uh, Jay Cutler ain't it. Um, you know, and I think if you're a Bear fan, um, you got to come to terms with he's a solid quarterback. But you said it, elite? Nah, nah. But I'm gonna flip to the other side of the coin because we kind of touched on Chicago a little bit. Green Bay, you know. How far can they go? Last year they were fifteen and one. How much better of a team are they? And do you think uh, they have a chance to make a run this year? D. Wills. I, I, I do because they're, they're getting healthy at the right time. They get Jennings back. Um, they uh, are are going to uh, be uh, possibly getting Woodson back in a uh, in a in a few weeks. Um, and so, you know, they're beginning to get healthy. If you think about uh, what happened with them when they made that championship run, it's going to be important. Um, they, they brought Grant back in. He fumbled. But, you know, they're trying to make a commitment to that running game. You can tell uh, with that. And I, I just think that Rodgers has had a chip on his shoulder in these last few weeks. And I think they're hitting, they're, they're hitting stride at the right time. So I, I, I like them just because their offense is clicking and their defense is getting healthier. Um, and I, I think that uh, they can make a run at the right time, and some of these other teams have fallen off. That's why I think teams like Atlanta and folks are in trouble, because you, if you match them up with Atlanta, if they're hot, you got to get an edge to Green Bay. Okay, okay. So now I want each of you guys to hit me with an impressive performer from uh, Week 15. I'm going to throw it to my man, R.J. Page. Give me your impressive performer. I went with I went with the with the squad. I, I I went with the Broncos. They they um they went on the road to Baltimore, uh, another uh playoff team. And if you take away those garbage points Baltimore got at the end, I mean Denver uh took care of them pretty handily, thirty one to three going into the four, into the fourth quarter, but not for uh for two touchdowns that, that, that scoreboard would have looked a lot a lot worse. But hell man, thirty one to three on the road against a, a playoff squad. Okay. All right. D. Wills, your impressive performer. 
Uh, I mean, there were a, a, a couple. You think about what Russell Wilson um, is, has been trying to do with uh, their team. But I, I'll go with, you know, even though they, they made a big comeback on them, I'll go with San Francisco's defense. They just play hard. They're intercepting the ball. They're hitting hard. If you see what happened to Brady, uh, Brady was uh, that one interception. He ducked out of the way. But they are just making plays almost like the old Ravens. Okay. And my, my, my impressive performer, you mentioned him. Uh, you know, every day I'm wrestling. Russell Wilson, man. This cat This cat is just that clean-cut dude that just gets it done. I mean, dude, don't, he, he, don't, he don't mess up at the press conference. He don't mess up coming into the stadium. You know, this kid is, is, is he's one of those type of cats, man. You put him in any situation, he's going to figure out how to be successful. And he's figured it out in Seattle. Uh, no one saw that team being this successful. Um, he's a big part of that. You know, they, they're starting to loosen the reins and letting him really kind of take hold of that offense and take some ownership of it. And Marshawn Lynch and how hard he runs giving that team an offensive identity. And Russell's just adding to it. And that defense is legit. Right? That D ain't no joke. Yeah. You know, a lot of people came into the season questioning Pete Carroll and whether or not, you know, he really knew kind of how to put a team together. Pete know what he's doing. At least it looked like it. The proof is in the pudding. And, and, and Russell Wilson's a big piece of that. You know, they signed Matt Flynn, then they gave the keys to the Burt, uh, to, to my man Russell. And, and he and he whipping that bad boy. You know, he hitting those corners in Seattle hard. So shout out to Russell Wilson as my impressive performer for the week. And, and now, I, I also want to say ahead. this quickly. You know, and you said a, a, a lot about Pete Carroll. I mean, Pete Carroll made a decision when he came back this time around that he was going to do it his way. And if this decision to go with Russell Wilson isn't isn't a signal that he was going to do it his way, that he wasn't going to take no chances, he knew he got one more shot or he'd be back trying to figure out how to get back into the, the Pac-12, you know, you got to take your hat off to him because that's not an easy decision to make. Yeah, it is absolutely not. Um, but, again, that, that's that's Pete. Yeah, that's Pete. He, 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 he steps out there. He'll step out on a limb and he'll get it done. Um, I want us to transition again. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, RealSportsGuys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, which is brought to you by Resistance Digital. Make sure you hit up the fellas at Resistance Digital to get all your digital needs met at a uh, low and reasonable price. That is www.resistancedigital.com. Make sure you check them out over there and, and, and get you get your get your tech game right. All right. So uh, we're going to talk about the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. All right, this week in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, also known as the NBA, the first thing we want to talk about, the New York Knickerbockers. RJ, I want you to give me your take on everything that's going on with New York right now. They're one of the hottest teams in the league. they got the best record in the East right now. Uh, Carmelo's playing out of his mind. they got a bunch of ancient, ancient mummies coming off the bench <laughs> and putting in work in the post. You know, they got Jake the Kid still out there wheeling and dealing. This team is, is a is a very motley crew of NBA talent that spans across several decades. <laughs> How are they winning in 2012? Well, you you know me, I'm I'm the stat guy when it comes to baseball, and um, I, I I've seen a, a little bit of the uh, the stat revolution coming to the NBA. And what I'm seeing from the Knicks is what 
I think we may see from a lot of teams, they realize that that wide-open corner three is one of the most uh, productive shots you can take. Um, you know, so moving forward, it, it, it seems like they've structured their roster around that theory that you can get a high percentage wide-open three in the corner with good ball movement. Therefore, uh, the age of their ball players really wasn't a concern because you just need, you know, hell, a fat guy can stand in the corner and shoot if he if he's wet. So <laughs> you ain't lying. We've seen it at the Y. We all seen that cat at the Y. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so they got Joe Kidd who can move that ball, and you just got guys posted up around the street, around the lane, firing the J. And and you know they're wet right now, and I think that you can win this way in the NBA. They've got so many cats that can do it. If somebody's off, you, you just grab you grab somebody else. Come on, we we'll throw you in there, or you collapse on, on Melo and, and kick it out for the for the open three, and and it's working. And I like it. My, my only concern is what's going to happen when when Amari comes back. If um, if if Mike Woodson grows a pair and go ahead and sits him um, and has him cross the bench, I, I think that success can continue. But but it's like uh, Devon and I were talking about earlier. You, you've got to have a whole organization on board, uh, from the from the owner to the GM to the coach. And I think Woodson knows Amari needs to come off the bench. But we're gonna see if Dolan is with it. Is with letting uh, some fifteen million dollar cat sit on the bench, come off the bench. So I think it can work, man. They just got to play it right. Yeah, man. That's a, that's a lot of money to sit over there. <laughs> <laughs> that's just a lot of money to be sitting there, you know. That's, that's a yeah. That, that's well, gonna be a hard decision. He'll get some over. run. He'll get some run, and they can use him in the same fashion they use Melo when, when Melo when Melo hits the bench. But I mean, we've seen we've seen this movie before with uh, with Melo and Amari out there, and now we've we've been blessed to see it without Amari. Which one would you choose? Hey, I want to. I want to see the one with Sans Amari. You know, CGI him out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, go ahead and Photoshop him out in the picture. Oh, um, <laughs> D. Wills, what, what do you think about this Knicks team? Well, well, the person I love and, and I, I got him on my fantasy team is Raymond Felton. He's averaging 16 points a game. You know, almost three rebounds and about 6.7 assists. But I think, and that's going to be the answer to how you handle Amari in terms of uh, they got a strong enough point guard that's going to try to get the ball where it needs to go. And and Felton comes with a lot of respect. Uh, and so I, I, I like Raymond uh, initially in terms of how he can help set the table. The, the other thing that I, I like is, and this is where Woodson has to do, is really thinking about, um, and 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 I love that you know um, they used to do a lot of this with the Bulls in terms of uh, helping to spark Scotty's offense. There's times where he was going with that second unit. Um, you saw that in Detroit uh, when you had like Dumars or other folks standing on the court. But how you take players like that and use it to strengthen your second unit and stagger their time sitting is is I don't see many coaches doing that well today. And I think this is going to be critical. Uh, for uh, how they handle Amari and how uh, uh, they handle you know, the rotation. So those are things I think that you can nuance a little bit. And then he's got to commit to D. I mean, that's his biggest thing. He's got to commit to defend. And so, 
you know, we'll find out how much Woodson has in terms of control over this team. Mm. Yeah, what I, what, I, what I did with the Knicks um, is, like RJ said, how they're moving the ball. Um, you know, they don't have a lot of guys who are put your head down, go to the basket kind of guys, and that's actually conducive to what they want to do. Um, you know, he's right. Corner three is revolutionizing the way teams kind of set up their rosters mm-hmm. and develop um, <clears throat> develop offensive systems. Um, and I think R.J. hit it right on the head. New York is taking advantage of that. Um, Carmelo is, you know, that's the guy that I have had to, you know, eat some humble pie and change my tune on. Dude is playing out of his mind. Um, he's really trying to really push himself back into that conversation as one of the elite players in the league. Being in New York helps as far as getting yourself back in that conversation. But he's earning it, and, he, and he's putting himself in the MVP conversation thus far. Um, again, the question the question that I have with this team is, are they going to hold up physically? You know, they're doing great in the early season, but, again, they got rookies who are 35. <laughs> oh, but you can't, you can't, you can't underestimate uh, again some of those veterans on the roster. You, 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 and what they mean to making sure cats are practicing right, um, doing no, the right thing. I totally, thing. I totally yeah, agree I with mean, you. I'm just yeah. saying the grind and the wear and tear that the season's going to put on them. Are they going to be the same team that they are, and that they are now in December and May and June? Man, to, to that, I say, what grind? I, I was watching the highlights, man. She hit a three, and I'll be damned if he didn't walk back up to court. <laughs> to the other side of the court, man. And then he walked pointing at his forehead, pointing at his temple. <laughs> that new team <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever seen a brother walk up the court <laughs> and not be afraid of uh, the play out running them. Yeah, I mean, I mean when, you, when you think about that rotation of Canby, Chandler, Amari, Kurt Thomas, and, and and Wallace, and how you rotate them, you can help to manage that age and those tires over the next few months if your rotation is right. Hey, I, I, I'm not going to argue with you, fellas. You guys, are, you guys are on it. You guys are on it. Um, I am going to move in since we're talking about old guys. We're going to play the Hall of Fame game. <laughs> We're going to talk about some players from uh, this past era of NBA who are, you know, some of them, a couple of them, or well, one of them is still playing, two of them are still playing, but their best year is definitely behind them. Um, but these are guys who have some serious question marks. They're, they're icons of an era from the mid-'90s to probably, you know, the mid-2000s, that 10-year run. These guys are some of the names, most notable names that were in the NBA at that time. But there are also question marks as far as whether or not these guys are sure shot Hall of Famers. So I'm going to start out with Alonzo Mourning. RJ, is Alonzo Mourning a Hall of Famer? Uh, yeah. I, pre- I preface this by saying that the NBA has one of the lowest thresholds for the Hall of Fame. Oh, here you um, go. Here you go. That's in the case. <laughs> I'm going to say Alonzo gets in, yes. Okay. On what merits? Um, it comes down to, for me, Alonzo had a lot of, of memorable moments. He, he wasn't necessarily ever the best player in the league, 
Um, but he has a lot of memorable moments. I like I like Clyde Drexler. <laughs> let's say, never really the best, but but you remember you remember his battles with uh with the with the Knicks. You remember, um, I mean, hell, they raised his number in the rafters in Miami. Um, he was he was the he was the man on that on the on the Charlotte team with Larry Johnson, um, and being that that the threshold is so low, I, I think he gets in. Now I, I'm a, you know I'm a baseball guy, I'm a proponent of a, a Hall of Fame that is not a Hall of Good, but you know a Hall of Good. <laughs> so I wouldn't put him in my Hall of Fame, but I think Zo gets in. Okay. Okay. You, you also you also got to remember. I think the Hall of Fame takes college numbers into effect as well, don't they? I, I think they do. I think they do take. Yeah. Uh, and he was the man today. at Georgetown. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. G you all the way, baby. They coming back this year. They coming back. They making the Final Four run. <laughs> 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 they getting their own conference now. <laughs> um, D Wills. Uh, Vince you know, Carter. I, okay, uh, Vince Carter. Vince. I get Vince. You, you took me away. No, I, I think you know Vince was. Think he don't get in? I, I I don't I don't know if I I don't think I I, I don't I don't I don't see Vince Carter getting in, man. I mean Vince, incredible dunker, score. Can he? Could he? Could he? Did he? Did he get his team far enough? Did he carry it? I think if he would have stayed no. longer in Toronto, then I, I would have and really made it work. I, I, I go with VC, but I, I think that his his biggest highlight was his dunk. Um, you know, in in the slam dunk. I mean, that's what you remember him for. Um, you know, the biggest the biggest thing about the playoffs. I mean, he's an eight time All Star. I mean, that's impressive, but. You know the biggest thing that you look at um, for the playoffs is that he, you know, he the controversy of him flying back for his graduation. Um, so I, I just I, I don't I don't I don't see him getting in. I think if I think if he if he stayed with T Mac and they would have really run some, those are two people who should have stayed together and made it happen. You know what I'm saying? And had that Pippin Jordan type thing going, and, and I and I I just think that um, you know, yeah, he did he didn't get it. I don't know why I feel that way, man. And I don't have a lot of. It just doesn't feel right. You know, he just doesn't he, feel right. And I think what what you're trying to get at is you know forcing your way out of Toronto. Um, that's not something that, uh, in my opinion, uh, a legend does. You don't force your way out of a out of a situation after a couple of years there without having like really put in the effort uh, of trying to get that team somewhere. And then you know you tank a season, you get traded, and then all of a sudden you're playing again. Then you tank again, you get traded, all of a sudden you're playing again. You're playing well again. I just I just felt like you know yes. I call him the Tin Man. Yes. Because um, I just don't Always know what's inside. Hurt. He always I just don't like, know what's inside. Yeah, you know I, mean? I don't know if he's got a heart. You yes. know what I mean? I think he needs yes. to get to the wizard as quick as he can. That's see right. if he can get some heart. See if he can get some 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 some, some dog in him. So that was always my thing with Vince. Was that this, this, this is the scene, Game Changer? Tell me, this is uh, this is Vince Carter to me. 
goes to the lane hard, gets fouled, and goes back to the free throw, hold his head like he got, like somebody knocked him out. <laughs> like, that's, am I lying? Like, every nah. time he go to the basket, he get fouled, he thinks somebody down there killed him. You know, rather than, you think about Jordan getting fouled, or you think about Reggie Miller getting fouled, or you think about, you know, Alonzo getting fouled. It's like he was one step away from being broken. Same thing with T-Mac. All the skills in the world, but sometimes I always felt like they were just softer than wet noodles when it was time to go to it. Yeah. That's that's my thing. I'll leave it alone. Yeah. I, I ain't going too hard in on him. I got, and, and I'm saying this, and I got a lot of love for Vince, but y'all asking Hall of Fame, and I'm trying to hold up the integrity of the game, RJ. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all good. The Hall of Greatness. The Hall of Great, baby. I'm with you on that. <laughs> oh, so, RJ, I'm going to talk to you this one. Grant Hill. No. Um, I, you know, I saw I saw Grant Hill last night. I was at the Pistons-Clippers game. Okay. And it, it was very reminiscent of Grant Hill's prime, his time in Detroit. He was on the bench in a suit. <laughs> too, much, too, too much of Grant Hill's prime was spent on the bench in a suit. Um. He, he's doing it now. With, I mean, the numbers he's putting up are, are, you know, longevity numbers to me. He could have been a Hall of Famer, but he, he just missed too much time wearing them feelers, was messing his ankles up, and, and he couldn't get right. <laughs> Him and them feelers couldn't get right, man. Don't trust your ankles to know I think that's the unfortunate piece when you talk about a guy like Grant Hill. You also talk about a guy like Tracy McGrady. Uh, these guys, at one point in their career, I mean, were unbelievable. I mean, Grant was a top three player when he was right. But those those glimpses of brilliance were so few and far between, <laughs> and, and injuries took away so much of what these guys were and what they were on a trajectory to be. Um I, I gotta go with I gotta go with you on that. One. I'm not gonna fight you on that one, RJ. Now again, when you add in the college piece, I think you would get in. But as far as you just go pro career alone, I think that leaves a lot to be desired with with Grant Hill. And D. Will, you brought up T. Mac earlier. Is T. Mac in your Hall of Fame? Is he in your Hall of Greatness? Is he, or is he just in the Hall of Good? Hall of Good, man. Hall of Good. I hate to say it. I mean, he have, he, he always had moments. But, you know, when I try to think at the dog meter, I mean, if you think about somebody who's, you know, you think about did they maximize their talent, by anybody who knows basketball would feel that of what we know, if you think about his size, athletic ability, and everything else, he got about 65% of what I think he could have gotten. That, that gets most dominant player of his time. If you think about the skill set, his ability to shoot, all the stuff he had going, his size, I mean, he should have been the most dominant player of his of his time. Yeah. Um, you know, T-Mac is one of the two guys I've ever called my favorite player. The other guy is Dominique. Um, and they're both similar in that athletically, they just wowed me as a kid and as a young man. Um, I just love what T-Mac could do athletically. I also love that he could play and do so much. But, again, I think they're similar types of players. 
T-Mac, unfortunately, didn't have the longevity of his prime that Dominique had. But they're mm-hmm. guys who are all over your, your highlight reel, but not necessarily guys who, who got it done when it needed to get done. Yep. And, you know, I think that's, that's an unfortunate piece for T-Mac. And, you know, I got inside information that, you know, a, a couple of years when he was in Houston, he was, you know, some of his teammates questioned whether or not he was, he was, uh, he was faking injuries. And, you know, that was like, what? Your teammates think you're faking injuries, mm-hmm. you know? And it got to a point where I agree with you. That dog meter was just, it was evident that he didn't have that dog. Mm-hmm. And, and when, 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 once you see that, it's just kind of like, ah, I can't, I can't, I can't roll with that anymore. That's right. I'm gonna give this last one. This last one I'm gonna give to R. J. Page, Allen Iverson, in or out. <laughs> you know, J. T. would kill me if I said out, so I gotta go in, man. <laughs> Ooh, you get a call. <laughs> <laughs> no, but 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 uh, but all due respect, Iverson is a Hall of Famer, man. I mean, with, with, with their standards and uh, I, Iverson's a Hall of Famer regardless, man. Mm-hmm. He, he I, 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 I totally agree. D. Wills, how do you feel? Yeah, he's all a famer. I mean, again, can you write the history without him? You can write the history without those other folks. You can't write the you can't you, you can't write the uh, the history without Iverson. Yeah, I, I agree. Shortest shortest player ever be drafted number one. Um, there's just so many moments in general um, within his career that you know signified an era. Um, you know. I got one right here for you. Let me get it up real quick. Listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, <laughs> not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. <laughs> I mean, just so many moments, you know, and, and his play on the court, doing what he did, leading the league and scoring, scoring at the clip that he did at, you know, six six foot, five eleven. A buck fifty, you know, in his jersey, after sweating, you know, crazy, crazy. So yes, I agree. I, AI's in. AI's absolutely in, and you really can't call it a Hall of Fame if guys like that don't get in, and, mm-hmm. and some of the folks that have gotten in get in. So that's this edition of the Hall of Fame game. Uh, you're listening to the Real Sports Guys, RealSportsGuys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. Uh, now we're going to get into the onions. How to plant onions. Garden variety, big time. As you would say, onions. All right, onions is a segment RSG Real Sports Guys, Renegade Radio, where we make a bold, two bold predictions for the upcoming week um, in sports. And so I'm going to talk to D. Wills first, get his two onions, then RJ, I want you to give us yours, and then I'll lay mine out. Go ahead. All right. Well, I, I'm, my onion uh, bold prediction for this week is the Steelers will make that run back to the playoffs beginning this week after a tough loss in Dallas. They're going to pull one of them Giants closing the season type of runs. That's one bold prediction. My other bold prediction after seeing 
It's not just from here. We'll be in the final four. Okay. Okay, RJ. Take it up from there. Well, y'all, y'all never had me on, so so I couldn't just go with a bold prediction for the week. I just went bold on y'all. Since, since y'all never had me on here. Now, now, that, now that y'all gave me my own show, y'all just kicked me to the curb. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> my, my bold prediction is that uh, Dwight Howard is going to be one and done in L.A. Mm. It's a mm. wrap. I'll sign up for year. some of that. I'll sign up for some of that. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna get put out in the first round. Dwight's not gonna like the heat that comes down on him, and he's gonna be like, "I'll leave this twenty million on the table. Just get me the hell up out of here." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can keep that extra dub. I'm gone. <laughs> he said, "I want out. I want out." Yeah. All right. My other bold prediction um, is that. The Bengals will be actually beat the Steelers. I know they haven't beaten them in the last uh, what six since '09. They haven't beaten the Steelers. I, I got them uh, beating the Steelers this this, uh, this week. Okay, all right. Now, um, my first bold prediction is that uh, the Washington Redskins will hold on and win the NFC North. All right, they're going to win this week. they win the week after, and they're going to hold on and win that division. Uh, the Giants might be able to sneak into the playoffs uh, in that last spot, but the Redskins, Kirk Cousins, is going to lead them to another victory this week because RG3 is still not going to be ready to play, and Washington is going to sneak into the playoffs as the NFC East champ. Uh my other bold prediction for this coming week, um, for everybody out there, uh, I want y'all to get a pen, a pencil ready. Um, write this down, please. Uh, you guys ready? Okay. Uh, the world will not end on Friday. <laughs> you will still have to wake up and go to work on Saturday or Monday. I just want you to know that. All right. Has anybody ever thought that maybe the Mayans just said, you know what, we made this calendar for 2,000 years. Maybe we can just stop. Anybody think that they had to stop at some point? <laughs> they just stopped. Maybe they wasn't predicting the end of the world. Maybe they just they said, you know what, we got enough up. calendar. <laughs> My man got a hand right. cramp and had to put it right exactly. in the calendar. Maybe your cat got a hand cramp. You know, you're carving a calendar, all right? He's carving a calendar. At some point, he just has like, uh, we're good. <laughs> I don't think it's what everybody think it is. I really don't. If, if there was a Mayan here today, I don't think he would make uh, – that's not what they were intending. So that, that's my other bold prediction uh, for the week, is that we all going to have to get up and go to work next Monday. <laughs> um, so with that said, I hit you with the resistance digital – Dog of the week as we get ready to close this show down. Now we're going to get into our Resistance Digital Dog of the Week. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to update technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So what did the real sports guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. 
from iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems. They customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at resistancedigital.com for your custom technology solutions today. All right. So, again, we're in the midst of the dog of the week. And with that said, there's only one way to kick this off. Um, RJ. We need more dogs. <laughs> All right, I'm going, my dog of the week, I'm going with LeBron James. Um, you know, we had the, the terrible shooting, and a lot was made of of the Heat's uh, tribute. A lot was made, but, but, you know, a lot was made of the uh, the Heat's tribute to Trayvon Martin, and that kind of died down. Um, hopefully uh, what happened in in Connecticut won't die down, and, and some athletes will start to do some things to, to use their celebrity to try to change some things. But I chose LeBron James because he's actually living it. He um, has, has this awesome program that I read about in his SI Sportsman of the Year where he's encouraging kids to get education, stay in school. If he notices that a kid in his program is missing days in school, he'll send a personal call and say, hey, I know you've been out of the game. Let's get you back in school. So uh, he's my dog of the week for actually going above and beyond the call of duty and uh, trying to affect change on a, on a year-round basis rather than a uh, tribute before a game. I, I'm going with LeBron. Excellent, excellent. We need more dogs. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hit us off with this one, and then I'm gonna let my man D Wheels have the last word. Um, my dog of the week uh, is Adrian Peterson. Um, you know, if if Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders had a baby, it'd be Adrian Peterson. Uh, this dude is just a physical specimen, an unbelievable athlete, and honestly, a very determined human being. Um, to go through what he went through uh, with his knee injury and come back and play the position that he plays in the NFL, the running back position, which is probably uh, of the of the glorified positions, probably the least uh, important or the least valued position at this particular time. And he is willing his team to victories in a way that no running back has done in my uh, time paying attention to sports. Uh, he is single-handedly lifting his team up and, and getting his team victories. So my dog of the week, Adrian Peterson, awesome. D. Wills, hit them all. Well, we need uh, more dogs. My uh, uh, dog of the week are really the uh, first responders um, that uh, work with those uh, young kids and on the spot um, – had them cover their eyes and <clears throat> comfort um, them through and to walk them through something that no one at that age should should have to see. Um, for the last, you know, 90 minutes or so, we had a great time. But, uh, you know, uh, here at RSD, you know that, um, that we uh, uh, really place an emphasis on what's really important uh, in, in life. So, you know, as you leave us, uh, as you do whatever, um, remember to, to focus on those things every day that are most important. And until next week, or until actually, until uh, we'll have a, a, a show um, uh, at the beginning of the new year, we'll have a classic show going next week. But uh, we'll see you on the other side, uh, 2013. Take care.
With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.